0: Loading today's UW Alumni Voices podcast. I'm your host Josh Van Campen, and, and in studio today we've got Sabrina Davies, who's a third-year PhD student studying the biochemistry behind seed germination after bushfires. She describes herself as nuts about everything science, particularly being able to teach science or get other people excited about it as she is. We're not in the lab. You can find Sabrina attempting to play electric guitar, or washing clothes, and having a chat at Orange Sky, which is a mobile laundry service for people who experience homelessness. Sabrina, welcome to the podcast. Hello. So you were able to stay at St. Catherine's College through your time at, through the Shirley MacLeod Scholarship. Mm-hmm. How important was St. Cat's to you for not only your studies, but your personal development?
1: Yeah, 100%. So, um, yeah, St. Cat's is such an awesome place to be, like as an undergrad, like straight out of, you know, moving out of home, 18 years old. Um, but, yeah, so, like, in terms of studies, it's – So cool to have people who are, um, yeah, I don't know, who like work hard as well as know how to socialize Mm. and um, yeah, have fun and that kind of thing. So yeah, they were really supportive in terms of studies. Um, One of the cool things we had was academic dinners. So you could invite a professor over from the union; they'd like have a nice dinner and have a chat and stuff. So I remember being a first year and inviting like one of the professors over and like having a chat Um, and he's still in the building now and he still remembers me from that, (laughs) which is super awesome. Um, and then all the stuff besides that, like, you really get exposed to, like, what diversity means. Mm-hmm. Um, you're hanging out with all these people from, like, around the world, different areas of study, different life stories. Um, so, yeah, just that exposure to diversity. Um, what else? And then, yeah, like, friendships and, like, coming out of your shell. I remember being, like, quite a quiet kid in high school. Then you hit college and you just, like, exposed to all of these opportunities and, like, all this stuff going on. So, yeah, you really, like, jump at it and learn and grow so much did difficult.
0: you ever set expectations for your times going to saint cats you said you were a bit of a sh- shy kid and then you can't yeah. have no choice than the matter did you yeah
1: yeah um so yeah i was kind of like yeah you know let's throw yourself into it um you know get the most you can out of it um and yeah i think it really did happen so mm-hmm. like i learned and grew so much as a person from that
0: is there a moment or a memory of your time at saint cats that still sticks with you today
1: oh it's really hard to pick one yeah. hey
0: um just name them all yeah
1: oh I remember so like it seemed like they could pull off impossible things sometimes so okay. um, we had this thing where we had to make a music video every year so it's like a competition between all the five colleges um, it's this huge event because there's like 400 people with college right yeah um, so yeah you pick a song and then you pick people like lip-dub to the video Got all these like costumes like someone brings their horse in every year there's like a <laughs> horse in the video <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's like this crazy event where everyone like dresses up, gets really into it. So yeah, like imagining that from like a like a normal life thing that wouldn't ever happen to go into college, where it's like part of the everyday thing. It's really cool.
0: So what, can you tell us go back to your time in high school? Mm. What was your time like there? And is that where your passion for science kind of came from?
1: Um, yeah. So high school was super awesome. Um, I had some really great teachers. Like they. Um, Yeah, it really looks out for opportunities for us. Like, growing up in kind of, like, semi-rural Australian. It wasn't, like, full rural, but, like, there's less opportunities in birth. Um, So, yeah, having teachers which would say, like, oh, there's this, like, astronaut visiting UWA um, and, like, bringing, like, a busload of us kids up there to come see this astronaut speak was super cool. Yeah, wow. Um, And, yeah, just, like, looking out for opportunities for us, really, like, pushing us and that
0: Mm. was super awesome. Now, let's go into your research. Can you give us your elevator pitch Mm -hmm. for your research project?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, So so yeah i'm from australia and we had like these massive bushfires oh 2014 2015 like in the southwest um and like you drive past and it's like super burnt everything's black but you come back like a month later you start seeing things growing back really fast Uh, and basically there's like a compound in bushfire smoke and it triggers seeds to germinate which is super cool because it's like this thing floating around in smoke it had like this happens um it's called carican and the story behind that, so Carrick is the Noongar word for smoke, which I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so what my lab works on is like how, so we know that Carrick can trigger germination, but how does that biochemical process work? Like what's going on inside plant cells? Yep. Um, and if we can figure out like the fundamental process, it helps us understand more about how plants grow, how they develop. You can apply it to like agriculture, conservation, that kind of thing.
0: So, yeah. so why bushfire research and you know where did that passion come from and is it true where there's smoke there's hope
1: smoke there's hope um yep. so finally, not i picked the i picked the project first due to my supervisor um so we had him as a lecturer and as one of the, like our lab teachers mm-hmm. and i remember um i was in third year doing this lab and i'd like stuff something up so i had to stay late so i was like the last student in the class my supervisor uh, my current supervisor was like sitting there just like waiting for me to finish i started chatting him about like his research Mm. and stuff and i thought oh that's really cool actually like maybe i'll try that for honors um so yeah kind of picked it for the person but then like started doing honors and i was like wow this is a super cool project and like yeah being in wa slash australia is like the perfect place for it like there's Mm. so much local knowledge here and everything so yeah really fell into it from there
0: so it didn't come back from when you're australian driving through and going, oh, wow, look at all the devastations that's taken place that happened in your third year lab?
1: Um, Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Like, a bit of that as well, because, like, you you drive down the highway or whatever, and you're like, wow, like, this stuff is happening. It would be really cool to understand, like,
0: what's going on behind that. Did you experience any, many bushfires through your time growing up in Nostralyn and ever think about, oh, like... Ever, ever thought about it do you look back going oh that's probably a moment where it kind of planted the seed in, in Ooh, my passion for the research interesting
1: um, there weren't any that were ever too close like a house mm. and not get burnt or anything mm. so nothing I'm of in particular but, you know, maybe there was something there, hey.
0: Yeah. So was becoming a researcher always a goal of yours growing up?
1: Uh, not really, to be honest. So as a kid, I like... You know those like books where there's like a fold-out bone body yep. thing and you're like, oh, I want to be a doctor. So <laughs> mum and dad got me another... So yeah, I wanted to be a doctor for a while. Then like I watched Ratatouille and I was like, I want to be a chef. And, like, <laughs> all these things. Um. So yeah, I only kind of hit the research stage once I did honours and I was like, wow, that's super awesome. Oh, and actually also, so like b field the undergrad I did, that's like a really research um intensive degree and as part of that we did some research placements in second year um so i was working with a group that were looking at like bees um and some of the diseases that were killing bees so as part of this placement i got to like pick up these baby bees and like feed them drugs which is so cool it was like really really awesome and like so that was like kind of my first intro into research and i was like wow this is really cool um and i remember the supervisor there saying something which was like something along along the lines of like you might be the only person that kind of knows this piece of information right now because you're doing research on this thing and i was like wow that's really cool actually
0: is that is it pretty cool as well knowing that it's that's exclusive information that only you have yeah 100 percent. what's that feeling like
1: (laughs) um it's awesome hey yeah it helps because sometimes you're in the lab and it's like 1am and you're mm. working on this thing which is like oh my god but then you're like i'm the only person that knows this information right now and it's like yeah really puts a different spin on things
0: so it's a really good segue into the next question because mm-hmm. um, we're always when we had a chat a few weeks ago about you know the perception v reality of studying a mm. phd uh so what is the perception of being a researcher but yep. what's the reality?
1: Right. Um, So often when you talk to, like I'll talk to a med student or like a law student and I'll be like, oh, I'm doing my PhD and they're like, wow, you must be super smart. But I think, so yeah, that's the perception I reckon like. So
0: do you answer yes, yes I am? (laughs) Totally.
1: No, I think, yeah, the reality is like, I always go like, man, you're doing law, like what even? That's like right up there. Um, I think, yeah, the reality is more like you you really love what you do and you're willing to like work really hard for it. Um, Because yeah, PhD is like a lot of... A lot of hours a lot of work that you got to put into this thing so you should be really passionate mm. about it um so i think that's more the reality yeah
0: do you get imposter syndrome at all because you touched on there you know you're doing law you're doing this mm. and that's amazing yeah do you and but you're also around really really smart people who oh, are yeah, really exactly. passionate so do you feel like oh should i even be part of this group
1: yeah yeah imposter syndrome is huge in phd students um yeah so like the idea is like you're an imposter because you're yeah, you're in this group of people who seems like so many levels above you and you're like, oh, you know, should I really be here? <laughs> um, so, yeah, definitely. That's one of the big struggles I think you have in your first year mm-hmm. where you're like in this thing and it's new and you've got to deal with, yeah, this idea of yourself where like, yeah, that's tough sometimes. So,
0: so what does a typical day look like for you as a researcher? Is it very structured? Is it you have to be, I guess, quite flexible with what takes place? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so uh, I wouldn't say super structured, like it depends on what you're working on at the time. Um, so it's kind of like they tell us it's like a nine to five job with a bit of overtime. So sometimes if you're working with like living stuff, you would be coming in the weekend, yeah. staying late at night or whatever. Um, but yeah, so typical day um, for me, for example, today, um, I'm transferring some plants um, from these like little plates onto some soil. So I'm doing a plant experiment um, and I'm putting some DNA into bacterial cells um, to make up. Uh, yeah, some stuff I need for another experiment. So, yeah, it's a whole bunch of like lab work, um, a bit of like computer work and that tied in between. Um, yeah, that's what a typical day would be.
0: How do you get to that point where you know you, you're doing all the tests? Mm-hmm. Where, what's the starting point?
1: Starting point. Yeah, lots of planning goes into it, I reckon. So, you have to, yeah, part of your PhD is learning how to be creative and really be able to problem solve and think things out on your own. Because, um, like in undergrad, you're like fed a lot of information you yeah. just have to like regurgitate it your sure. PhD you're like yeah learning how to plan your own experiments and being like how is this going to prove that this happens kind of thing
0: yeah can you learn from other researchers with projects that are completely different to what you're doing but you can cherry pick kind of the strategies that they employ yeah import? yeah
1: 100 um so that's why my supervisor always like reading is really important so read the literature see what other people have done Um, Yeah, sometimes you get ideas from like stuff that's completely unrelated, um, which is really cool.
0: Now unrelated to your research is Mm. your recent hobby. So you've Mm -hmm. recently picked up the electric guitar because why not? How important has it been for you as a researcher to take a break, step out of the bubble and concentrate on learning something new?
1: Yeah, super important. Um, Music I think is such a good hobby like it because you're sort of thinking really analytically and stuff in science and to have music it's like the other side of Mm. your brain you're using. Yeah, and it's such a kind of like healing hobby as well. Oh, and it's one of those things also that like if you practice, you do get better. Like Mm. you see yourself getting better, which is nice because sometimes in research, you do an experiment and it fails and you don't really know why. So it's nice to have this thing where it's like you do it and like it does work if you put the time into it.
0: Now, it's not the only instrument that you've learnt, is it?
1: Um, So I did a bit of keyboard in the past. Yeah, when I was like young um, up until high school, I think. It's in like the high school jazz band and stuff like that, which is super fun.
0: Yeah. Was there a jazz band at all at St. Cat's by any chance?
1: Uh, not a jazz band. They had a they had a choir once, which me and my friends tried to join up to. Um, I didn't have a very good singing voice, but it was a bit fun. Good to try stuff <laughs> you out. You said
0: you tried to join it. What did you get? Uh, sorry, Sabrina. What voice <laughs> were <Not> the voice we after.
1: I think we did one performance. We did Over the Rainbow at like a, I don't know, dinner or something. And that was kind of like, ah, oh, you know, this is taking me way too much like effort to try and match the standard so but yeah give it a try
0: (laughs) so how do you find the time for these things because you know touching the imposter syndrome you're Mm -hmm. around all these amazing people and being a researcher it's not just a nine-to-five you know there is that bit of overtime Mm -hmm. how do you find the time to do anything outside of the research
1: um yeah I guess you just gotta really make time for what's important for you like yeah so um, I don't know yeah just fitting things in well working efficiently making sure you do look after yourself and have Mm. that time where you switch off and you're doing other stuff and Mm. your whole life is not like defined by your research.
0: Now you're passionate about science Mm -hmm. through your PhD you've loved teaching leading experience could teaching be a career option for you?
1: Yeah so um, at the moment well labs are cancelled at the moment but I was teaching third years um, and yeah teaching is such a rewarding thing because it's I, know, I really like learning and then being able to sort of pass that on to mm. someone else and see them learn and get excited about stuff is really cool.
0: But is science accessible to enough people? Because I know that's something you're passionate about. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I think So like science is out there. Like in high school you learn science and stuff, but I feel like the problem is people don't see how it's, I don't know, maybe relevant. I don't know, as a kid you're like, why am I learning this crazy physics equation? How am I mm. ever going to use this in the future? Um, so, yeah, making it kind of really relevant and not this like super sciencey language, mm. which is like, oh, people are just doing this stuff. Um, yeah, making it more relevant and understandable, I think, is key.
0: So, how can we make science more accessible and bridge the gaps between scientists and non scientists? Mm,
1: okay. I um, think that is a bit of a responsibility of, say, like researchers. So, If you go out and explain your research to someone, do it in a way that they're going to understand. Um, Yeah, don't talk it up like it's this thing that you want to impress people with. Like, yeah, (laughs) pace it at the right level. Um, So, yeah, even just, yeah, the ways you talk about your research. um, I think also getting it in the mainstream media a bit more. Sure. Would be cool.
0: Um, Yeah. Is that something that you've done? Have you got your research in the mainstream media or is that something you're eager to get out yeah, there? Yeah,
1: that's something I'm really working on. Um, so, yeah, I recently made this YouTube video where I, like, tried to explain my research in two minutes in, like, a fun little understandable way. So, stuff like that. I'm trying to, trying to get my research out there and, like a way that's easy to understand
0: not only are you a researcher but you're also a westpac future leader scholarship holder Mm -hmm. uh can you explain what that means and what opportunities does the scholarship provide you
1: yeah sure um so yeah the westpac scholarship is a phd scholarship which um yeah it's really focused on turning you into like a future leader so it gives you a lot of leadership training um and yeah like the people and the opportunities and like the ideas you get from it just are really amazing so um, there's like 17 people in my cohort from around australia they're all working on phds or masters Mm -hmm. um, in fields that are really going to help like shape the future of australia Um, and yeah they're all so inspiring and motivational be around Um, in terms of opportunities so there's like travel funds for you to go for in terms of me i'll go visit a collaborating lab in california to go see what's up with them um get access to like equipment and resources not available here Mm -hmm. which i'll be able to do otherwise and then, yeah, in terms of leadership training, like, yeah, it gives you gives you a real picture of leadership, which is kind of different to what you might see otherwise. So yep. it's like this idea of an alternative leader where it's like the people almost – yeah, so the best leaders are not kind of – right at the top, like super loud, you know, leading everyone. Yeah. They're like from the bottom, holding everyone up, which I think is really cool.
0: Is that the best piece of, I guess, advice or what you've learned through the leadership program?
1: I think so, yeah. And also that sort of everybody has the capacity to be a leader mm. and it's not, you don't have to fit, like it's often leaders that don't fit the mold, which are the best yeah. ones. So you don't have to fit this mold, like you work on your own strengths and weaknesses and develop that to become a leader. Through
0: the program, have you noticed people in maybe your personal and uh, professional life where you go wow they are elite i never noticed that about them before but now i understand why they do what they do yeah
1: yeah 100 um yeah because sometimes it's like not super visible you mm. know they're not on the front page of the news or whatever but like yeah in little ways you can really notice that and it's it's quite
0: cool yeah because i guess there's that perception of a leader as you said that's that person you know you let like, use the pm for an example yeah, you see yeah. them all the time they're mm. the ones having to to explain the decisions yet there's yeah. people underneath them that yeah. are probably holding everything up holding the country 100%. up especially in the current climate we're we're going through where yeah, there's yeah. a lot of stress and anxiety going from people you need yeah. to have that that stability mm-hmm. now Sabrina so you're a researcher learning to play the guitar but you're also a volunteer for Orange Sky which provides free laundry showers and conversation for the homeless mm-hmm. why do you choose to volunteer and how do you find the time
1: yeah cool um yeah volunteering you get, yeah, you get so much out of it. Like it's often you get more than what you put into it. So in terms of this particular organization, like you learn and understand so much about homelessness that before, I don't feel like there's a lot of biasness against homelessness. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, these people are all on drugs, you know, they're just super lazy, whatever. Um, you go there and you have a chat to people and there's some really genuine, nice people mm-hmm. out there. Um, and you learn it's surprisingly easy to fall into homelessness. Yep. Like you go through a divorce and like, you, or you lose your job and you can end up on the street. And then, yeah, there's a lot of like mental health problems associated with that. And it's kind of a big spiral you can't get out of. So, yeah, you really learn so much. Um, and, yeah, yeah, it changes your perception on things. So, how did cool. you get
0: involved in it?
1: Um, through the UWA Guild volunteering page. Found an ad on there and I was like, oh, yeah, totally. I'd heard about them on the news or something before. um, And I was like, yeah, I'd really like to get involved in that. Yeah,
0: because I've seen the the founders of that. Mm. I spoke at a conference a couple of years ago. And I was like, oh, wow, this is really amazing. I'm disappointed in myself that I didn't know about it Mm. ahead of time. But you're providing so much support for the homelessness. But how much have you gotten out of it as well? How much have you grown as a person by being exposed to this.
1: Yeah, he's. Um cuz yeah, like I don't know, as a like single fema- female, sometimes you walk around the city and you're like, oh, you know, really scared, should be looking out. But then when you're kind of working with people who are like deemed to be dangerous sort of like you see that they're not really dangerous. Yeah. Um so yeah, Grown a lot in that way and then also yeah just really opening your world view of stuff like talking to people you wouldn't normally talk to mm. um seeing the struggles and their stories that they go through
0: so what's your b- biggest advice to people who you know walk around the city and we see you know there's homeless people on, on the corner or mm. they're they're slipping under the fr- freeway yeah yeah what what advice do you give to the, the general public when they see something like
1: yeah, that? yeah right i think the thing that um people living on the street kind of crave most is just like being part of a society. So yeah. someone saying, hey, or, you know, giving them a smile, or having a bit of a chat, like, yeah. I don't know, there's food services and there's clothes services and there's stuff out there. So like, they kind of kind of looked after for that, but it's just like being part of the society where they're like accepted by people, yeah. people go talk to them.
0: Yeah. Now, I touched on before with the current climate we're dealing with, so COVID-19, that is mm-hmm. uh, basically shutting c- cities, countries down. Mm. As a researcher, how has that been impacting on you?
1: Um, Oh, so yeah, there might possibly be a uni shutdown. So at the moment we're like trying to get experiments done so we have like computer work we can do if we're working from home. Um, so yeah, like in the day-to-day life, it's impacted us a bit. Um, also in terms of like the community and stuff we had. So like uni's a lot quieter yeah. and bales is a lot quieter. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: let's say the university shuts down. Mm. Can you still continue doing your, your research from home?
1: Um, part of it, yeah. So like not all the lab work in that. Um, but there's a lot of like, yeah, data analysis I can do on the computer, and a lot of like planning experiments and that kind of thing. So,
0: can you plan yeah. for everything? Because I guess this is kind of what we're currently going through. Mm-hmm. Is no one really expected this to happen to grow so big and make such an impact? Yeah. So, kind of as a researcher, you kind of do plan for I guess every scenario. Mm. If this means you, is there a possibility that you might have to shut things down? And from a research, and how much is that going to set you back?
1: Um, yeah do it will definitely set you back a bit um, but yeah I guess yeah you do so like for example if you're if things are normal and you do an experiment and it fails like you also have to learn how to plan around that like yep. how to get back on your feet mm-hmm. how to get things moving again so I guess we're quite practiced in that sense um, with this time you know if uni shuts down it's gonna be a bit longer where we have to kind of plan around and that yep. um, but yeah it feels like we've had practice which is good
0: well that's good now that's all the time we got spring but mm-hmm. before you go What's one bit of advice you'd like to give to maybe a person who's interested in research or is currently researching? What's the best piece of advice you can pass on to
1: them? I reckon, yeah, it's important to don't let your research define who you are as a person. Like, It's a big part of your life for sure. But Make sure you have that stuff outside, like whether it be hobbies, volunteering. Um, like social stuff, Mm. make sure you have other stuff going on in your life. Are
0: you still struggling with people defining you as a researcher? Because I know you did a recent story for us for uh, the Alumni Connect, the Alumni Mm -hmm. Newsletter, and when Mm -hmm. my colleague mentioned bushfires, you're automatically the first person I thought of. So do you still really like being, I guess pictured as a researcher but you know there are these other things Mm,
1: i do like it yeah so like yeah research is a big part of me so Mm. i'm like yeah yeah totally i'm a researcher um but yeah it's nice to know that like you're a normal person you're not this like super (laughs) robot that just does research um it's nice to know you have this like other human stuff going on (laughs) in your life
0: yeah, yeah, well, I mean, that's because of our, every researcher is a human yeah. <laughs> yeah. because you are doing such amazing things. And I know I've been guilty of ever, ever since I've known you, I've probably put you on this pedestal <laughs> and go, oh my God, look, look what you're doing. But then you look at other people and see, wow, you're doing such amazing mm. things. Mm-hmm. And I just love with what you're doing, uh, outside of your research, how you find the time because I think too many people these days are using, oh, I don't have enough time as an excuse Mm-mm. and then we've got someone like you who is doing, you know, research nine to five can be outside of hours, also learning the guitar, helping out the homeless here in Perth. Absolutely amazing. That's Thanks. Right. That's all the time we've got. Really yeah. appreciate it and uh, look forward to seeing once the research ends and see where it ends up. That's good. Thanks very much.